this is History Replays today, the Richmond History Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Jeff Major. I hope you're having a fantastic day. This is episode 46. I have John Murden on the show. He publishes the Churchill's People's News. If you don't know what it is, it is a very successful community blog, uh, not just about uh, Churchill, but really the east end of Richmond. Um, you know, he posts anything from community events to lost dogs um, to uh, some really amazing historical content, uh, a lot of old photos of the area, stuff like that. Um, you should check it out. Uh, and you can find Churchill's People's News at chpn.net. Uh, you can also follow them. Uh, on uh, on Facebook, uh, Churchill People's News, on Instagram, CHPNRVA, on Twitter, at CHPN, and on Tumblr, at CHPN. Check it out. It's really interesting stuff. Some excellent historical content goes through there. Um, and, you know, Churchill, over the last few years, uh, has been going through, I guess, a rebirth or revitalization or... Whatever you call it, it's been it's in an upward trajectory, and it's going it seems to be going quite well. Um, you know, back in May, USA Today did put Churchill in the top ten best up and coming neighborhoods in the United States. That's that's pretty daggone impressive. Um, one of the things that you know, again, he covers the entirety of the East End, um, and we will get into a little bit. Uh, about what actually is Churchill, what that's actually considered. Uh, but there's a ton of different neighborhoods throughout that kind of plateau of Churchill that people all call Churchill. Uh, and so we're going to get into some of that, some of the differences amongst some of those neighborhoods. It is somewhat of a sporadic conversation. It kind of bounces all over the place. Um, but there's just way too much stuff to cover to get too in-depth uh, into any really one topic there. And through Churchill People's News, uh, John is actually working on a really cool visitor's guide to Churchill, um, which you can actually contribute to. Um, Check it out on chpn.net forward slash news forward slash welcome dash to dash church dash hill. Much easier to probably just Google a visitor's guide to Churchill uh, with the upcoming bike race, you know, trying to let people know what kind of things are around. Um, and people should just know about that kind of stuff anyways. Uh, so go check that out. I know he's been working really hard on that. It's it's a really cool map. Um, but uh, we, did, we sat down uh, in his house um, near 25th Street uh, in Churchill. And we're going to start out the conversation. I actually... You know, how did he get into church? He wasn't he was born in Churchill. Uh, how did he actually get into the Churchill People's News? Well, I moved to Churchill for a bit in 2008. 1998, sorry. 1998. Um, but it didn't stick. Um, it's before the grocery store was here. I didn't have a car. It's riding the bus. Um, it was more difficult then. I moved back in 2003. In the interim, I lived in Charlottesville for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. There's a site there called Seaville News uh, by Waldo Jockwith. Um, it's one of the first, maybe the first community blog that I'd ever seen. I mean, it's the first one I've ever seen, maybe one of the very earliest ones nationwide. Um, and as someone new to town, 
I found that that was a really great resource to um, get, get, get to know the area mm-hmm. much more so than like the, the paper, the newspaper, or the, the television stations. Mm-hmm. So I moved up to Church Hill and was renovating a house and kind of blogging that. It was, you know, it was the time period you blog things. Right. Um, and um, just kept running into these wonderful stories in this, this neighborhood. And I say, I was in the, you know, the back end of the neighborhood, I was actually in Fairmont, um, not Churchill proper. It, it was more of the Wild West part of the neighborhood. A lot of mm-hmm. vacant houses, a lot of crime. Um, in the first month or so I was there, there were people shot, you know, each cardinal direction from my house. It was very lively. Um, <laughs> and there were these bigger stories that I felt like, um, stories to tell. And also, like, whenever Churchill made the news, it was always seemed to be for something bad. Right. And I felt like we could balance that out, too. And um, it seemed like a, we, we could have a place where us as neighbors could talk about our own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like somebody getting shot on our block or our, you know, in our neighborhood. And when we talk about it, we would talk about it very differently than someone commenting from Chesterfield. Right. You know, you've seen what the comment sections of the more broad media can look like. Sure. You know? um, so. Not just the police chief saying, I don't identified suspect, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can move on and actually get into, like, I knew that guy or... Yeah, you know, like there's, yeah, it's not really as, as cut, you know, it's not as cut and dry as people would have it be like, especially I was up here teaching in the middle school, so I knew lots of families, you know, across the area, mm-hmm. and um, so um, it wasn't always good guys and bad guys, you know, right. things are just complex, the, yeah. the more you know people, um, so we, we were, have been able to capture some of that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And so when did you start it? 2004. 2004. August 2004. Um, it's kind of gotten pretty huge. It's it's gotten some good traction, right. I like to say. Um, yeah. I remember the first the first day I had more than four thousand page views was the first uh, two thousand eight Obama election. Oh wow! And now I'm pretty regularly bumping against that and have spiked to over ten thousand at times. That's amazing. It's it's fun, I tell you. Um, yeah. You know, I've, it's taken me a while to really f- maybe fully understand the responsibility that I have with the site, right. or what it means, what it can do. Um, yeah, you know, I started the site before before Twitter, before Facebook. Facebook um, was public before YouTube, right. um, and some of that's documented through the history of the site. Like, hey, I've signed up for Twitter here. Follow me. We'll right. see if this thing works. Sure. Or when um, when Google Street View came out, we were all like going around the neighborhood, seeing what we could find. And a friend of mine found himself standing out in front of Captain Buzzies. That's um, I like that. You know, that kind of stuff has been it's the history of our neighborhood for the last ten years. Right, and I mean that in itself is a, a heck of a time. Right? I mean that's that ten years is like magic. Yeah. Um, you think like two thousand four to two thousand ten was one period, and then two thousand maybe two thousand eleven till now has been a, a, like a second period, and didn't see it coming, man. Like I first moved up here soon after I got, when I first got up here. Um, soon after, where Jumpin' Jays opened up, mm-hmm. the coffee shop that was where Union Market is now. Yeah. And you know, at that point, she was daringly far north, and it was a wonderful spot. Um, soon, sometime a couple of years later, Capasa opened up in the building that houses the Roosevelt now. Um, it had been like a fish market, um, right? So, like, it looked like services were happening, and then both of those places ended up going out of business. It was like, oh, you know, let's see what happened. And then um, what changed? Alamo came in. Alamo Barbecue opened up. Yeah, and they they were just solid. People would come in from the county for good barbecue. Right. You know that that was kind of a game changer to be getting folks up onto Jefferson Avenue. Um, to get to kind of tell their story for a couple of years, it's been nice. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just to have someone on Jefferson Avenue, I mean, that was like, 
that didn't exist. Yeah, you know, that, that, that building there and it had been things on and off going back. I mean, um, I've got a picture of it when it was a Chinese food restaurant at some point. Um, I had a friend who remembers it being, being like a barbecue joint back in the late 90s. Right. Um, he tells a story about how he went, he really wanted some barbecue and he went one night, it was just, just too late, they had just closed. And he's like, he went up to the window and the lady's like, Jesus loves you baby, but, but we're closed. <laughs> it was just the idea that, you know, it's been something, but now it's, it, it's something again. Yeah. Um, which is like part of, the, part of the story of the neighborhood that I, I feel like we're able to tell is that there was so much here that had been here before, but kind of services disappeared, the culture got kind of tattered. Uh-huh. And so in the past five years, six years, we've, the neighborhood started to see um, all that social infrastructure come back. Right. To some degree. I mean, we're, we're still missing a lot, but we're, we've got a lot more than we did have. Yeah, absolutely. And so I guess from now, we'll go start all the way, all the way back. What, like, what is, I guess, first of all, what is actually Churchill? Like, what do you consider okay. that? Well, okay, according to the, like, the city neighborhood map, uh-huh. Churchill is bound on the north by M Street, um, on the west by Jefferson, uh, Jefferson Avenue, and on the east, I guess it goes all the way to Chimborazo Park. I'm a little confused over there. And from there down to the, down back to the river. Okay. Um, Churchill North is north of here. North of that, it's from, um, bound by M Street, Nine Mile, 25th, and about 33rd Street. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people will refer to the whole plateau up here as Churchill. Mm-hmm. Like I say, they're, they're wrong, but they're also right, you know? It's right. kind of like the greater Churchill area. It's this constellation of neighborhoods. Um, Union Hill, which goes way back. Mm-hmm. Um, Fairmount, which was a town in Henrico that got annexed. Um, Browers. Um, Woodville, which was you know, the uh, historically black community up there that kind of got eaten up by Fairfield Court. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these other little neighborhoods around. I guess as cars and things made it uh, kind of shrank space. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're all more, more of a more of a piece than we were. Absolutely. And so, I mean, would you watch the news, and they say, you know, it doesn't really matter. Well, and that's we. At times, we try to differentiate that. And Union Hill has been really good about claiming their own identity, mm-hmm. um, especially the past five or six years. I mean, it's like you don't want. I understand, especially if you're in Churchill proper and somebody gets shot in Fairmont. You know, you don't want, you know, they're doing their own thing in Churchill around St. John's and they don't want to get tagged with that. I mean, they've been pushing, they've been fighting the fight for their neighborhood for decades. Right. Uh, And the people in Fairmont are fighting the fight for their neighborhood. Um, So you want, at the same time, we all want to claim this identity because it it all helps us. Mm -hmm. But when it, when, um, sometimes it pays to be more specific as well. Right. Sure. Absolutely. Um, But so that's, I mean, it's the, that south end is the oldest part of the city. That, well, that or like Chaco, um, you know, the early early maps. It was like right around Chaco where the where the, the creek would have hit, or right. Chaco Creek would have gone. So in. I guess those early settlements yeah. are on the the west side of Chaco Creek, which is basically underneath the train station. Right. Right. So, but I mean, I guess William Byrd's proper layout of streets is from it went, went over to about Twenty Fifth Street. Right. From there, um, which is amazing to think that they would have then built this church way up this hill. Sure. Um, for, for whatever reason, you know. What do you know about the? Because I've always got confused about this. About because uh, uh, you know, when you read one thing, William Byrd owns everything in the universe, and then Richard Adams he owns the rest of it somehow. Or I mean, yeah. I, I, honestly, I'm really weak with the early history of the okay. area. Um, 
some of the some of the 1800 stuff I get into, but really what fascinates me is the 20th century. Sure, absolutely. Because um, I feel like I feel like that's where the neighborhood really got just mangled and mixed up and kind of wonderful. Um, I love the old houses, but I, it's the newer history that I, I get. So yeah. Um, so and I guess the the reason I was bringing that up though is because I think it's uh, it's interesting to see that um, architectural change. Uh, a lot of those old, you know, going back to St. John's, you know, that wood frame business, um, you know, up along in front of Belmont, or Belmont, Bellevue, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, those beautiful grand homes. And it's interesting as you move back and to get in, getting into that early, early 20th century, late 19th century. You're finding, finding the, um, the pre-Civil War houses that are scattered farther back. Right. Like, yeah. like along Venable or whatever. Um, but then you see the frame houses that were put up later on or... Um, Especially like Fairmont was a uh, 1890s to like 1915, mm-hmm. you know. Um, some Victorian, mostly just the the square frame houses. Um, then the bungalows further up, the 1920s houses. Right. It's it's really neat. You know, that's the thing. That's why these these little neighborhoods matter. They each have their. If you're looking for it, and you know it. There's distinct architecture that shows. Because I mean, you know, if you got one neighborhood that was built in the early 1800s, mm-hmm. and another one that was built almost 100 years later, you know, right next to each other. Yeah. If people don't. If you're not familiar with old stuff, it just looks like old stuff. Right. But if you know what you're looking at, you can see the century there. Yeah. You know, and that's how Fairmont's different from Union Hill, just different from Churchill. But it also makes it, the, all the houses are, diff, are different. I mean, I guess there's yeah. certain sections, because I know, like, especially, like, in the fan, I mean, it's a pretty short time period that the entire right. fan was built. I can remember, like, I, 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 this is maybe five years ago, um, plum sober. I mean, I was not drunk. People always... <laughs> I was going to a friend's house, drove around the block a few times to try and find a parking spot, found a spot, walked into another person's house. Yeah. Like, I thought I was going into an apartment building, and I was, like, in someone else's living room, and I was, you know, I was like, whoa, they got a suit of arms in here? And I was like, whoa, holy crap. But the, it looked exactly the same. You know, and you don't really see that up yeah, in the, this the area. The fan went up, uh, yeah, in a pretty a quicker span. Um, I was trying to trying to think of some examples up here. I know there's some where you see some stuff repeated, but it's not too much. It's, it's really yeah. especially if you walk around, you're looking for the details. Right. There's just amazing little things everywhere to look at. Sure. Um, so, but I guess I mean it, it is originally the area is more of a white section, or well, is it segregated? Because I know by the trolley car days, it, it's pretty segregated, right? Um, I, I found a map from the 1920s that shows. Well, two things. Um, Mary Wingfield Scott wrote that, um, looking at stuff, that it wasn't, there didn't seem to be a stigma for, to, for having free blacks live in either Union Hill or Shedtown, which is Churchill North, mm-hmm. uh, prior to the Civil War. So before the Civil War, some integration going on. Um, Union Hill more than anywhere, uh, I think. Um, by the 20s, things may be a little bit more divided, but still, it's patches up here. You look at this, like this map from the 20s that shows uh, black and white population in Richmond. And while Jackson Ward is this huge, like, black community, up here it's scattered, scattered, it's mixed. There's, there's of course, Woodville up north and um, the, along the Chaco Valley, but Churchill North is, is mostly a black community. But then there's, like, the Stark line that's probably about 32nd Street where, where Oakwood and Jim Barraza are pretty white. Um, and Fairmont was, of course, pretty white. But you had communities right next to each other in pretty small areas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we talk about historically, Churchill wasn't a white Neighborhood or a black neighborhood. You know, it was it was a historically a black and white neighborhood, if if divided, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the part of the narrative and inheritance that um, I love to think that we now can kind of get over and um, take on all of it. You yeah. Know? Um, so it's you know fantastic 
black and white history up here that as, as a as a new resident I, I want to think I can claim uh, some uh, inheritance of both right um, and and so, but are there um you know, talking to different people, you know, you get especially the, you know, downtown is obviously downtown where right. there's the um, Miller and Roads and Tallheimers and grocery stores traditionally. Uh, I know a lot of folks that live on the south side, that little strip of Hall Street, that was basically their downtown. A lot of people that moved out west, uh, Carytown becomes their downtown. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there, was there a section around here which would have been, you know, where the grocery stores and that kind of, you know, all that stuff? 25th Street was, it was and is the commercial corridor. Um, but then there was, I think because of the way the neighborhood developed, there's just pockets of corner commercial all throughout. Mm-hmm. You, you still see the, the little corner stores um, that are good and bad as groceries. There used to be a grocery store on 24th Street that's been replaced by housing now um, that I know was there back in like the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had the main corridor at 25th and perhaps Nine Mile um, and then stuff scattered. Right. And so the, because I, I know there's like a couple of the theater, there's a, multiple theaters. There, there was, right? there's, there's the Robinson Theater, which was which magnificently vacant and abandoned looking when I first got up here, which has been beautifully restored. As right, it used to look crazy. It used um, to look like, that was like where you... I just swear it was going to get torn down, you know, it was, yeah. um, and then there's the East End Theater on 25th Street, which has been vacant, uh, out of, been closed since the 70s. They're in the mm-hmm. process of making it, it's either apartments or condos now. And apparently there used to be another theater next to that the Patrick Henry Theater okay um, back in the day um, so it's three theaters and maybe the, the Robinson was the, the black theater East End would have been maybe the white theater I'm not exactly sure and the and those are movie theaters or they would have been performance they would have been spaces? movie theaters I've got okay. a looking through um, some of the old newspapers I found a, like a, an ad for the Robinson that shows the movies that were playing that week from like 1947 nice it's just amazing to think you know you could go on your trolley Right up to the Robinson. Right. Go on in and see a movie. Well, it's amazing how many theaters there used to be. I mean, like, you know, nowadays, they, they've just packed 50 of them into 50 yeah. theaters into one building. Um, I don't know. It's cool to think that there was a neighborhood theater and that exists. That you could walk to. or Right. Um, the, the sense of, it would be such a nice piece um, for a sense of community to have our theater. Instead of Go West, you know, it looks like um, the theater out there on Grove Avenue is going to be closed down. Right. And... That's kind of it, except for the bird anymore. Right. I guess the, the bow tie one. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, as far as those in community, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sad state of affairs. Um, but, and Bojangles' handprints are, are, are at the Robinson. Supposed to be on the sidewalk somewhere. I've read that. Have you um, ever found them? I've never, I've never gone to look. Um, I've never, like, gone, like, creeping inch by inch. Yeah. But, you know, I've been out there a lot. Um, and I, I notice things if they're around. I wonder if that part of the sidewalk still still survives. Yeah, it's interesting because it's. Uh, I thought it was an interesting thing to even have a theater for him in that section of town, um, just because. I mean, he was incredibly famous. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know why they didn't uh, open one in Jackson Moore, but that's just probably just circumstance. Just probably yeah. been interesting there, but <laughs> that's just the way it is. Um, so the, uh, but those that community kind of feel around that area. So I mean, each neighborhood. I mean, would that have had? Uh, I mean, do you get the feeling even like you know early twentieth century? I mean, these people are. Is there? There's a pride in that, right? Like, like, I mean, or is it just 
like we live in Churchill and that's kind of what happens. I mean, or, or, or I guess better better way to ask that, which is just which is a terrible way to ask that the first time, <laughs> is when do you think that um, the conglomeration begins? Right. I, yeah. Um, God, you know, or that's that, that's an awful good question. I would probably, I would, I would guess sometime, like like early mid twentieth century. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when. You know, probably probably the whole white flight era. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of blurred things, right? Um, because the neighborhood became in its own way more coherent then. Yeah. Um, between like 1950, and 1960, um, Oakwood area went from being something like 75 percent white to 96 percent black in 10 years. Right. Um, when that's the interstate getting built in there. Uh, it's up right? here. You know, interstate interstate but, didn't didn't really impact. But it basically cuts off this. This whole side of the city, mm. right? I guess if you really, I don't know if you've ever, uh, I guess like, like I kind of get in, got into um, Ben Campbell's book. Yeah. Um, I guess he talks a lot about that, about the in- impact of how it just kind of isolated this this section. That's true. Um, the the flip of that and the the integration of the schools, you know, mm-hmm. the open suburbs and stuff. So when when the neighborhood switched, then I think it, it stopped being like the the. the the neighborhoods lost some of their identity because a lot of that was racial. I think, mm-hmm. like Fairmont was, you know, Fairmont when it was um, annexed into into Richmond, was an entirely white community except for one Negro family, and they they proudly proclaimed that that right. one family for some reason refused to move. I would love to know their story. Right, that would be. Um, I was. So in the fifties, you know, that neighborhood flipped over and became a black community. Um, so it wasn't the same Fairmont anymore. Yeah. You know? um, so. Well, the. Uh... I mean, because that's also that time period. I mean, where I mean, Gilpin Court is built right around there, right? Yeah, I think uh, Gilpin might have been forty-eight, um, and then Creighton and Fairfield were fifties, and Mosby was sixty-two. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, the fifties up here, were, the fifties were like an instrumental decade for for setting the tone for like the next fifty years on this plateau. Right. Um, between well, it was like I had white flight in the in that area. Yeah, the, the, the housing projects coming in. Um, and, and things were probably pretty sta- stable there for mm-hmm. some 15 or 20 years. But um, they talk about how the children uh, of a lot of the folks that lived up here didn't want to stay in the neighborhood. They moved out. Mm-hmm. Um, the area became depopulated by the lower population by the 70s. Um, a lot of people that were left were, some, they say by, by like the mid, mid-70s, um, something like half the people, half the adults up here had uh, eight, le- eight years or less of uh, education. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, like the kind of encroaching poverty, you had uh, crack and heroin come in. Yeah. So it was just kind of punch, punch, punch to the neighborhood. Yeah. Up through the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Um, I say neighborhood, I mean, the, you know, the whole, the, the larger plateau. Well, I mean, it's parallel to Historic Richmond Foundation coming in and starting to, you know, claim and refix houses around St. John's. So there's always been, you know, some growth, but it was the larger, I think, trend of the 20th century was, was just harder up here. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and that seems to be the the fault of the entire city, or, or what goes on, it, right? It mir- I, mean, I say it mirrors the mirrors what happened in the city. Richmond was in decline. Right. Um, violence was was rampant. I mean, in um, ninety three and ninety four, ninety four, ninety five, some two year period right in there where the East End alone accounted for seventy five murders. Wow. Um, last year there was four up here. You know, four four dead people is too many, but um, seventy five is like mind blowing. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, would have been a very small area. Yeah, it would have been you know you'd have heard the shots, you'd have been seeing the sirens. Think of the impact 
uh, all that on families and communities, and that would bounce, reverberate for years. Right, absolutely. Um, so something's different up here. We still have housing uh, projects. We still have poverty. But uh, there's an essential difference up here compared to perhaps what's going on south side now. Right. You know? I, I don't know what that is, but I hope it stays. Sure. Um, and have, I mean, have you seen any kind of, uh, of the, or looked at much of the impact or, um, cause I, I, one of the things I'm really interested in is the, is how, uh, how these projects were the marketed, right? you know, and how, like where, I, I mean, you know, it's obviously they were building these things for black people. I mean, they, well, they don't, I, they don't name in the 1940s, they're not naming things after famous black actors. It was, it was, it was my understanding that the, all the housing projects in the East End and, and through to um, Gilpin were for black residents, and Hillside and Southside was for the white folks. Oh, really? Okay. Um, so that's it, as intentional as that was. You know, I don't know. I've read that. It's my understanding. I don't know how they codified that was. Right. Um, but I can't imagine that in the 40s and 50s they weren't doing anything different than that. Yeah. I mean, I think most people don't even realize that that you know that Charles Gilpin. I mean, it was it was an actor, right? Right. But I mean, I, I mean, I think that's absolutely insane. I mean, it, I mean, it's you know, there's nothing else. I mean, that's in '46. We don't get our first statue of a black person until this like '73 with Bojangles. They, 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 the Mitchell pushed was to do um, Gilpin in the '30s, and it was fought, and and they fought it. They prevented it from happening. Huh. Um, have you ever seen pictures of the slums that used to be in like 17th Street Corridor or Saco Valley? Yeah. Um, here's a okay. So was it Bartholomew did the the plan the, the plan for the city of Richmond in 1938? Mm-hmm. Some amazing statistics in there. Blows my mind every time I get to share them out. Mm-hmm. That at that point there were 43,000 households in Richmond. Some something like a third of them didn't have um, hot water. That's brutal. Some amazing number didn't have indoor plumbing. This is late 30s in Richmond, less than 100 years ago. Right. And some, like 3,000 of the 43,000, didn't have any water at all. Wow. So, you know, four generations ago, there's people living with you know, no water and an outhouse you know, <laughs> within a mile of where we're at right now. It's amazing. Um, so, you know, for, the, for the, the social issues that have come in the following decades with the, the housing projects, the, um, at the time, I can totally understand how they were seen as progressive. Sure. You know, it's like, you know, I've got a picture um, from, from, from somewhere that just shows, like, the conditions of some of the wooden houses that had the outhouses that, you know, it's not just that they're having to go outside to go to the bathroom. The houses were also just busted. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't have had insulation. They probably had broken windows. I mean, it just, yeah, I get it. It's not ideal at this point. I mean, like, the concentrated poverty and from our perspective, right? what's the next step? But at that point, I think they're, even with their inherent racism and the way they really messed up parts of the neighborhood, it was better than doing nothing, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting because there's a lot of this stuff that seems, in retrospect, like you say, where you can obviously see concentrated, you know, poverty is a very bad idea, and and it seems terrible. But yeah, I mean, and I I personally don't have can't believe that there's that kind of organized. Um, like that's not even. I mean, I think people, rather than hating as much, I think that they did kind of feel like they're like, this is a probably a good idea. Somebody thought it was a, like okay. they actually sold it as opposed to saying we're going to build a zoo. Right. They said this is going to be better for everyone. But they also did locate 
these populations way, you know, on the edge of the edge of the old part of town. Right. You know, it's like it, it keeps, um, like it, it does keep a, a certain population out of sight and out of mind for other folks that don't have to worry about it. I mean, there's no public housing in the fan. Sure. Uh, for sure. Well, it's, it, it was one of my favorite things is on uh, when I was uh, on the episode about um, Lewis Skinner, which is in Henrico, owned by the city. That at one point the city actually had plans to build housing projects in on that piece of land, which is just genius because right. then Henrico is like, oh, guess what? No, absolutely, they're like, crapping their pants. Right, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so it's it's, <clears throat> it's definitely intentional, but it's you know I think I don't know. Yeah, it's it's somewhat progressive and somewhat not. Um, it was the forties and the fifties. Sure, so hard to say. And the it, it's a strange at this point. There's like a strange push. It seems, um, you know, as it you know, like you said, it really kind of started around St. John's and um, uh, Libby Hill. That the the development is kind of pushing against. I don't know. I, do you feel like that that the projects plus the, the there's development? A, there's a really wide range in the middle. Um, there's probably about a mile from Churchill proper to Fairfield Court, mm-hmm. and say say Fair Franklin to Marshall or Lee Street somewhere in there. You have the the nicer houses, the area that's more more established. Um, but really. There's, there are so many communities between here and there, um, like Fairmont, like Churchill North, where you have organizations like Better Housing Coalition and mm-hmm. um, Habitat for Humanity that are building building and rebuilding houses and um, rebuilding communities in a way that's not not unattainable. Um, they're selling properties. They're selling these wonderful houses below market rate mm-hmm. to, um, to working folks. Teachers, secretaries, policemen um, can get a house... Um, and that's that's a whole different kind of thing, you know, than having to come up with three or four hundred thousand dollars to buy a nice house. Right. Um, when you've got working folks that can buy houses in these neighborhoods, um, you know, I've got a friend that lives on Twenty Third Street, works at the middle school, bought a better housing house, and that's social capital, you know, right here. Um, and what it did, at least in the Fairmont area that I lived in, it got a lot of single black women able to buy homes in the area. You know, sure. Another friend of mine lives on Twenty Third Street, works at the military academy. Um, and it's it's different, you know. Yeah. And then you have the communities that are stable with a bunch of older folks that have just been there for forever, forever. Um, like Eastview, the little the little uh, houses up there, or along Twenty Fourth Street across Fairmont, um, the little brick houses that came in in the what fifties or sixties. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the stretches of older folks that have been here since the fifties. Right. Um, or a lot of, gosh, my, one of my neighborhood heroes is Miss Thompson, Mary Thompson. She's the president of the New Vision Civic League since about the 90s, I think, when they founded it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been in her house on 22nd Street since sometime in the 50s. She moved there as a teenager and now lives there as a, an older woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. With her, with her husband, George. Um, but she'd grown up on, I think, 29th Street before she moved there. Yeah. Um, so she'd been there but her whole life. She's, she and, she's, she and uh, other women uh, of her age are holding down their neighborhood. Right. And getting organizations like Better Housing to help fill in where it really fell apart in the 90s. But, um, so it's not as, I just say the story's not as straightforward as gentrification uh, versus poor people. You know? right. There's a lot of community building that's really diverse and really enabling going on in the larger part in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the larger vacant part. I mean, if, you know, the joke is, you know, there's some blocks that are majority black or majority white. There's a lot of, there was a lot in Fairmont and Churchill North, it's just majority vacant. Right. And, um, everybody wants to see affordable housing, nice affordable housing built there so that people can live there and be a community again. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a really interesting part of it is that uh, I think the city in general, I think especially with the rise of like the, the RVA kind of tagline thing, um, and it becomes more localized here in Church Hill that people are pr- like, you know, they say like, oh yeah, I, you know, RVA or church, you know, there's a certain amount of pride that comes along with it as opposed well, to... It's like being in a little town right next mm-hmm. to Richmond. It's like there's Richmond over there. We can see it. I can see it from my front door. Is right. that how it works? Um, but we're Churchill. It's, right. it's different up here. Um, we live closer to, you know, all of our own stuff. Um, you know, if you moved here 10 years ago or further back, you had to really want to be here because it was just harder. Um, right. The houses are beautiful and things are interesting. My God, there's nowhere like Libby Hill or Jefferson Park and the rest of the, 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 the city. Um, but, you know, when it was uh, the Hill Cafe and nothing else kind of holding it down, it wasn't as easy as it is now. Right. Um, got people that have lived up here 30, 40 years that have made a huge difference. Um, it's only, it, you know, but then the last, the last people that have moved here more recently have a great have taken part in this great neighborhood renaissance right you know, and they're proud right, rightfully so to be a part of the blossoming sure but people care yeah, okay. like people care to, to and, and I think mm. you know folks like you um, you know putting the stuff out there um, and actually discussing it and then you know the neighborhood organizations you can see that it's not no longer a matter of um, just allowing things to happen sure I mean and you look back and say New Visions started in the 90s because they wanted their neighborhood to be different. Mm-hmm. Churchill Association, I think, is 50 years old now. There's a wow. patchwork of civic associations up here, you know, neighbors that have banded together to care, um, to claim their own neighborhood. You know, when I first moved up here, I was shocked and amazed at how decrepit some stuff was up here. And maybe the city wasn't taking good care of what it should have done. Maybe um, there was also just absentee landlords. There was all these powers at play that were negative. And so... You know, you ha- you couldn't look outside yourself for answers to stuff. You had to right. grab what you could fix and do it. Right. Um, and it's 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 really awesome. The independent spirit up here, the the ownership of a lot of problems. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I think you know, um, the city in general. Uh, there's so many things that people complain about the city doing or not doing. Right. And there's a point where it's like, well, why aren't you doing it? It's like, well, there's two things. Though. It's like one, yeah, if you can do it yourself, do it. Um, right. And two, if the city's not doing it, it should be. Well, let's hold them to it. You know, let's take them yeah, to yeah. task. Um, it's like they're supposed to be providing these services, and you know, the, the thing is, the joke is always like, if something happens, like, well, would that be allowed to happen on Monument Avenue? Um, you know, right. so we'll go take care of it. We'll take care. It's of a squeaky things. wheel, though. Yeah. Right. If you, you know, um, and do you have you seen much uh, another? Because because you know, we I don't know. We kind of got off a little bit of any kind of chronological aspect right. of anything. Um, just started rambling, but. Um, going back to like you're saying, like in the '50s, um, it went kind of mostly black at that point. Um, the is there any kind of um, anything you? I haven't seen anything really of any kind of civil rights anything up here. Like a lot of this stuff happens downtown. I've, I've seen, well, I've seen mention of there was a there's a there was a what do you call it? department store on 25th Street, mm-hmm. um, which is an artist studio building now that wouldn't serve black customers. And so there was a protest there. I saw that in the I'll mention at the Maiden Churchill exhibit that's up at the Valentine now. Uh-huh. Part of the recorded oral history from the folks at Fourth Baptist. Um, 
talk about that. Yeah. So I went looking at least the online archives of some of the papers you can get the microfilm for up here, and I couldn't find anything else about it. But they protested there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a great picture that the Times Dispatch ran a couple of years ago of people registering to vote on 25th Street. And it's a line of people just all the way down the block. Right. Um, in front of the post office when it looked new, in front of East End Theater when it was still open, 1964. Sure. Um, but then also, you know, Henry Marsh came out of Churchill. Um, Doug Wilder came out of Churchill. Right. So, you know, I don't know if... Um, the, you know, the specific actions like the counter protests sure um, would have happened up here. You know, maybe they wouldn't have needed to so much, uh, right? But definitely, it seems like there was a spirit of, um, you know, uh, uh, towards that direction. Sure. Um, and the, I mean, and it seems it's a weird, it's a weird thing because as I was thinking about it um, earlier earlier this morning I was thinking about it and you, you know um, like you said there's not a whole lot of need to protest if there's if everyone's well, black already right so you want to go where the where the and, and the most services were downtown like that was right. the white services right so the the it's it's a, it's such a strange concept where a lot of these same folks with Henry Marsh and Doug Wilder like you're saying are coming out as as drugs are coming in Right. And like you say, it's not cut and dry. I mean, I think yeah. there's so much complexity to the, uh, I don't know. And again, I don't know if that's a question, but that's just a thing I was thinking about. It's just really interesting. It's, it's, there's no, there's no, that's the thing. It goes back to, there's no one narrative that really fits up here. Yeah. There's a bunch of stories um, of how things happened. And um, I want to kind of see them all. And another, a story though, I did just remember, I don't, God, I cannot remember the details. With one of the housing projects up here, there were um, a woman or some young women that were going to get kicked out because mm. they were unwed but, but pregnant. Mm. And um, that was a, one of the civil rights battles that happened up here was like, getting that taken to court and getting them permission to stay in the public housing. It was kind of a big deal. I've read that. I don't remember the names. But um, small pieces of like Richmond history, you know? Right, that sure. would have been huge at the time. And what, time, what, kind, like, what kind of... Probably stupidly late, like the sixties. Yeah, I think. Um, well, there's a lot of the stuff that's really stupidly late. Because um, <laughs> it's Richmond. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I know, it, like crazy blew my mind when I was talking to Paul D. Pasquale, um, who lives in Fulton Hill, who was telling he bought his house in the early '80s and it still had in the deed the sell to the same race clause, which is like, what are you talking like? That's like around like Star Wars has been out for like five years, right? And and we still got racism on paper, right? Documented, yeah. like that's it's it's mind blowing. As a as a kid of the you know seventies suburbs, um, you know I thought the world was one way, and I've learned more about that since I've grown up and moved to the city. Sure, uh, but yeah, it just keeps surprising me when stuff like that happens. Um, but so we, you know, we jump through the, the to, to go chronological again for a minute, right? Yeah, yeah. So we had the what I think of as like a, kind of a Black Churchill golden golden age, maybe like the fifties and sixties up into yeah. the seventies, and then things caught up, and and there was the the growing poverty, and then the heroin and, and crack. And um, I interviewed Don Coleman about a year ago for an article, and he said he that the like like the last decline in Churchill came in around seventy nine, because mm-hmm. that's when you started seeing the drugs hit the street. Um, he was a oh, senior. that late. Oh, yeah. that's... Yeah. Okay. It was first like 70s, it was like poverty, and then it was just like 80s, 90s drugs. Uh-huh. Um, 
based and the the loss of um, middle class and working class up here just left too much concentrated poverty. The loss of um, like maybe industrial jobs out south side as that market kind of dried up. Um, you know, the population of Richmond dropped until after the year two thousand. Um, so I'm trying to think like. What were people thinking moving to the city in 1998, right. 2005? I mean, I did. I, li- I lived up here in, a, in the city all over. And I loved it. Um, but I don't think I knew what I was doing. Right. I also bought a, a, a Macintosh back in 1997. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, just, I had no idea. But Well, there was a... S- it, was, it was nice because it was dirty. Well, and there was, was like a dirty charm to it. Um, which, like, seems really stupid now. But it was like, that's, you know... That thing that had, uh, you know, birthed Guar. Yeah. Right? Where you were like... It's arts and music. I mean, I was drawn to it. I wanted to... I went to VCU basically so I could live on Gray Street. Right. That's what I went to school for. Um, And it's, you know, but I think it's those same people that... A lot of them that moved here at that time that, you know, got older and are like, well, you know, I don't really want to sleep on a futon anymore you know I'm, I'm kind of becoming an adult and and starting to realize you know that let's clean this up and let's kind of you know make things happen right it's been interesting to see the recent generations you know how Richmond has changed I mean it's just the, it's the one we know you know, I read about what the counterculture folks were doing in the city back in the 70s or kind of like what it was like up on Churchill back the folks that you know voluntarily moved up to Broad Street in the 70s or 80s you know, right it's like they got some amazing houses for cheap, but they were living next door to houses with squatters. Um, right. Well, I think it's like hard the, to imagine. Now. Like the uh, Eric Schindler Gallery was like one of the first ones up there. Oh, that's right? pop- I think that's what the oldest gallery in the city. And yeah. That dates back to the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. Right. And because um, I remember talking to her once, and she was telling me that she was like, "Yeah, this was actually one this because I guess that was like the pilot block or something like that." I don't. That would I thought the pilot block was. Grace, but I'm a little confused again. That's I don't a, know. They, I, all that area kind of ties together for me. The, 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 the original core of what got got um got renovated like that, saved really. Sure. And is do you know of? I mean, you've seen any of that saving stuff? I mean, I know. Uh, I mean, you got your uh, Mary Wingfield Scott book right there. I mean, is is she even messing with a lot of this stuff up here, or is it? Um, yeah, she's. I mean, anyone I guess doesn't know. She's like the you know really. The founder of preservation in in Richmond. Is she, yeah, her um, is she, her famous book, two of them really. She has Old Richmond, Homes of Old Richmond, something like that, which yeah. is the kind of bigger, fancier homes. The one I love is her Old Richmond neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah. Where she looks at um, she looks at four neighborhoods up here: Libby Hill, Church Hill, Union Hill, and at that point, Shedtown. Um, which is funny that she didn't go. She didn't really go too far north of about M Street. Um, there's some Venable Street. But like you know, what we think of as Fairmont now is old. But when she put the book together back in 1950, that was a neighborhood that was only 40 or 50 years old. Right. That would be us. That would, that would be like going out to um, the suburbs along the Lothian Turnpike at sure. this point. Um, she just didn't. Sure. Them, it's historic. And so. and it's and it's strange too because uh, I mean a lot of the big stuff. I know. Oops. Oh no, tragedy. Um, I know she saved. Uh, well, she she helps you know the the Wick I mean the. Adam Craig House, um, what's now um, uh, Linden Row, Linden Row, yeah. um, and a bunch of these like kind of iconic places, um, but I don't really know of her 
hand anything up here. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know specific. I, I know her, honestly, um, as the photographer. I've, I've been drawn to her pictures because she captured stuff that no one else really got. Yeah, um, and took some really amazing. If no one's ever never seen the, I don't, do you? Is that yours? It is. You yeah. can, I, got, I think I got it at the Valentine, but you can find them. I know they have them at the library, which is where I first saw them. Uh, and they're really, and some of the photographs of just a random, amazing house that you're like, why would someone take a picture of this? Um, but it's amazing that they did at that time. Sad though is a lot of her pictures. They'll be like, this house built 1843, and it says demolished. Between right. between her getting the picture and making the book, right. Um, she, you know, if we're gonna talk about her, we gotta talk about her language, though. Um, she seems hyper aware of race a lot of times. She yes. talk about a low, a low grade of Negro tenant. She has these mm-hmm. phrases that just great. I mean, she's, she did amazing things, and she was certainly just of her time and class. Mm-hmm. I think class was a big part of it. Uh, yeah, but she did something that no one else did. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's the 1950s. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's. Um, you know, it's, always, it's it's hard to always hard to judge people at art standards. Um, as far you know, whatever, it, it's not right, right. But it's it's you know it's hard, it's it's hard to harp on on how wrong it is. You can't change it, and it is what it is. Yeah, it just felt like um, it needs to be. It just you gotta kind of acknowledge it to put it in your pocket, you right? Uh, but she was also like a real character. Um, there's a there's a picture of her like wearing Chuck Taylors down the dirt digging stuff. Yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah. And she only died. I want to say in the eighties. I mean, she was like uh, like like uh, close to a hundred. Um, I don't know. One of my favorite things I remember reading about how um, they were at one point they had a proposal to build fountains on Capitol Square that were going to come down out of the that were going to cascade down. Okay. And she has this quote in the Times Dispatch um, where, which is like just just quoted just perfectly straight. With something something along the lines of, um, "Well, that's great. Next, they can replace the squirrels with peacocks, and we'll paint the Capitol red." I was like, that's like the... What, what a... Her own particular voice. Absolutely. Sure. Um, um, but yeah, so I mean, who, who is it actually that helps to, to get the neighborhood back up? I mean, do you know... I mean, who, who's doing these pilot, pilot blocks? That was the Historic Richmond Foundation. Okay, which, okay. which she's, she basically started the Historic Richmond Foundation so. back in the day with her and a bunch of other ladies yeah. um, in the 30s. But she was, she was the face of it, I believe. So yeah, Historic Richmond Foundation gets, gets good credit for that. Um, they, they got that set up as the first uh, historic district in the city. The old, oh, really? The city old and historic districts. Wow. Of which now there's, there's any number, um, probably f- at least three up here that I know of. And what was that first historic district? Uh, around St. John's. Around okay. St. John's, okay. Yeah. Um, which, if you don't know, the, the, old, the city old and historic districts is, um, are under the Committee for Architecture Review and help preserve the historic architecture and... and Ideally, prevent any new stuff from coming in that would be really distracting or, or disturbing to this, the feel of the, the, the area. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where, like, you actually, if you're living in a historic district, you can't paint your house a color unless it's approved. Right. Um, it um, contrasts. There's historic districts all over the city um, which don't have that kind of say. Mm-hmm. Um, if you live in a national historic district, if you do a certain amount of a certain level of renovation, you can get tax credits. If you're in an old city, old historic district, you you must abide by these regulations. Right. Um, which has helped preserve uh, uh, very well. You know the St. John's area now Union Hill. Um, there's a Churchill North. Right. Uh, old historic district up here now. But in, and a lot of people get you know get all funny about oh I can't paint my house pink if I don't want but they, there's also like a lot of grant money as well right that goes along with renovating stuff like that in um, the historic districts. No, I, I 
I don't honestly, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, it was, okay. That was one of the issues that came up when, when Union Hill became a um, city old and historic district was that, you know, it's an area that has uh, lower income residents, older especially, who um, might not. It was foreseen as being a problem to some of them. Mm-hmm. The idea, though, is whatever the condition of your house is, you can replace it with in-kind stuff. So if you've already got like aluminum siding or vinyl right. windows or pink, you know, but um, you can grandfather that in. Sure. Um, it's just you can't further make those kind of changes off off course. Um, and they were talking about putting together a community fund to help folks out, but I don't know that that ever really got off the ground. Right. Um, and the because because that, that's one of the things. That is, um, it's a weird thing to have. Oh. Um, it, it's interesting that um, you know we talked about the actual, uh, you know, naming of what the places are and whatnot. I mean, your your website is called the Churchill People's News. So, I mean, you're you're somewhat guilty of it it's yourself. But the the Union Hill folks, I mean, that's like. I mean that's encompassed within what you're doing. I know you do with right. some stuff in Fulton Hill, which is not even right. yeah. Talk about like if I did at all at one point if I if I could have known more when I started this, I would have called it like East End News or something like that. Right. The East End Bugler. Sure, right. sure. Um, so one of the things that was uh, I was I, I just completely my train of thought that just dropped off completely from the um, from what I was saying, but the uh, oh, this is on Facebook someone put this on Jason Spellman was asked I may not have any idea about this um, this law it was and you didn't write this but it was on Churchill People's News about a lost cemetery that was like the Adams do you know anything about that? Um, the, we posted was, posted about the cemetery that was on 24th Street I think so uh, or 20, uh, Marshall Street um, I have this wonderful contributor to my site okay um, she works at the Library of Virginia and um has been writing these wonderful historic pieces, and she wrote about the um, cemetery that was there. It was the, the, Adam, the Adams family, Adams family cemetery, um, that was later on replaced by houses. Um, Is Trisha Knoll? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, we'll um, give her a little shout out for that. Yeah, good, 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 good. Yeah, she's she's wonderful. I put a call out for volunteers, and she stepped up. I was like, I got these things. Um, so she, she she wrote a piece about the cemetery, which had always been something that was sort of on my radar, but I never followed it out. Right. Um, but it seemed that there's that one picture of like the cemetery with a horse in it and the the, the cockeyed uh, stone, you know, it just looks beat. Right. Um, but then in the comments on that, I believe came up a mention of another cemetery. No, it's a different house, a different story. Um, another cemetery that's marked off as being like in the middle of a block, mm-hmm. but there's nothing there. But the person who posted it and would be knowledgeable about it said there's no records of anybody's ever being moved out either. So perhaps in the middle of this one random block over off M Street. There might be some bodies. Maybe you never know. Um, oh God, Trisha, she wrote this great article about the um, the Churchill dueling grounds that used to be down, uh, like off under Chimborazo, off yeah, Chimborazo. Yeah. And I'd never heard that. That was to think that we had all these random cemeteries and dueling grounds and right. train tunnels. I mean, and, and where is the the dueling grounds would have been? Where's that? Down. Um, Right at Libby Hill, Franklin drops off down towards what's kind of Sugar Bottom. Yeah. And off to the left, there's some wood, there's one house and some like woods now. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it was over there, if I'm remembering the map correctly. Okay. Um, that's some exciting. It's just dudes shooting at each other. Yeah. Just for fun. Well, we just, still have that, you know. Yeah, yeah. But to have it so organized, um, yeah. people still shoot at each other. But now it's like, you want to meet me about four o'clock and we'll yeah. shoot at each other. Yeah. Um, Dipti 
Ruba saw that on Twitter. She was asking about the actual hills. So I brought right out, I brought out a book, um, None Such Place, by, um, which is a fantastic book by Tyler Potterfield. Um, this is it's, it's called a History of Richmond Landscape, and it just tells how Richmond became the the public spaces and the geography of Richmond became what it is. So it is an amazing book. Um, he has a map in here, it's an 1856 map that brought that came to mind because it has a bunch of hills. So she'd asked, mm-hmm. you know, about the the legend of the Seven Hills of Richmond. Which right. is, you know, I say people can never agree on what the Seven Hills were. Well, because I actually replied, but it's because it, I know that the city council tried tw- has tried twice to identify the Seven Hills. His map here has, um, of course, Churchill, um, Union Hill, Chimborazo Hill, Maddox Hill, which is the north, which is West Academy Hill. Um, didn't go far enough over to show Navy Hill. Um, Gambles Hill and Belvedere Hill. I don't even know how many that is. That's not even... Well, I guess Southside didn't count back in the day. Ha ha. So, <laughs> Just to say it goes on. Because my, um, my normal response to that is that, uh, like we said, the city is actually established on really half a hill and half a valley. Right. Because right? it originally goes from 17th, about 17th to about 25th Street. Right. Um, and the... When... It, my definition of a hill, which I'm not Webster, but you have to go downhill and then back uphill to be on top of a different hill. Right. So if you're on Churchill, you can't count Libby Hill, right? I mean... Well, here's the thing. I read something recently to talk about how so many of the hills have been flattened and so many of the ravines have been filled in. Right, absolutely. That the original sense of what it was like has been lost. Like Jefferson Avenue between Union Hill and Churchill was a ravine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was impassable for a long time. They filled that in and didn't have a road there until maybe 1890 right. or 95. It was first and, called Churchill Avenue. And that was part of, part, part of the, <coughs> the train tunnel, right? Was that, didn't that have some sort of... I know, they used like the dugout material from some of that stuff to fill in the ravines. Yeah, I think like so. Um, so, you know, perhaps, the, perhaps Libby Hill and Churchill used to be more distinct. It's hard... I'm not sure. Right. What was where? Um, yeah. Well, it's it's strange because there was also you know where the, before the interstate was there, you know Navy Hill, like you mentioned, there was a I think there was one that called Commerce Hill, um, and, and you know, so it's it's hard to it's hard to actually say, and it's really just a, I mean that story doesn't even come about until uh, you know Jefferson's capital. Okay. Right. I mean because. No one cares if it's built like Rome until we have a giant Roman temple. And then suddenly it's like, oh, this is let's, just... Let's be awesome. Right, yeah. And by that point, I mean, it depends on what you really consider uh, the city was established by, like, you know, whatever. I mean, that doesn't make any, you know... I guess it's a, a specific wording thing, but I, like I said, I know city councils tried twice, like once in the 30s and once in the 40s maybe, and they can never agree on... Right. You know, my district needs more hills than the next one. <laughs> um, but it's uh, the uh, I think the you know recently the the area has gotten like stupid national attention too. It has. It's it's been um, really neat. The some restaurants and just part part the part of the neighborhood getting national press in um, a number of like food related. Uh, magazines, travel related magazines, the New York Times did a piece on Churchill. Right. Um, in the like the past two years, it's been great. Um, uh, Dutch and Company, the Roosevelt, Proper Pie, um, Sub Rosa, getting a lot of attention mm-hmm. for for doing stuff. Um, 
You saw Metzger get mentioned in um, Southern Living. Right. Um, Alamo was the first one that got mentioned in like Garden Gun. They were mm-hmm. up here. Um, it's been cool, you know. Um, and yeah. Metzger is like one of the new things. And I remember, like, what do you know about? This was at one time called Butcher Town. I think Butcher Town and Shed Town might have been interchangeable. I'm okay. not sure how far that that goes. Is there any kind of distinct area that would have been Butcher Town, or does that even mean anything? Or like, uh, I'm not sure, honestly. Yeah, that's um, fine. Uh, it sounds good though. You know, yeah. they, I read they used to have the, the boys up here used to have their gangs. Yes. On like the Butcher Town Cats and the Union Hill, whatever. So they have rock fights and have their their territories. Right. I heard. Yeah, there's some pretty amazing stuff. I know. Remember Harry Colas wrote a piece about that where they're talking about people rolling burning tires <laughs> down hills. <laughs> Wild ass little kids, man. Yeah, USA Today. Uh, that was pretty awesome, right? That was like top ten up and coming neighborhoods. Did I make that up? No, yeah, I think that was USA Today. Um, which you know, when they talk about Churchill at this point, it's like they're um, it's a it's that larger sense in a lot of ways. It's mm-hmm. Churchill proper, a little bit of Churchill North, a little bit of Union Hill. Yeah, um, Chimborazo area coming in. They're, they're probably not talking about Browers and Fairmont so much. Um, but so we have to. I think I think our the big the big challenge for the the neighborhood is to to harness this attention and this this blossoming over the past five years and make sure that we can use that in a way that really helps that 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 um helps the neighborhood as a whole you know mm-hmm. um more jobs in the neighborhood helps everybody right um, more people on the street helps helps everybody but you know as we get more residents if we get people involved we can f- fix um fix our schools man that's the big one yeah it's huge right um if we, there's people, people working on stuff. You know, Chimborazo Elementary is the first uh, full full IB program in elementary school in the city, um, but at least one of the early ones statewide, and that starts next year. Um, there's a lot going on. And, w- and what does that mean? Uh, International Baccalaureate is a high-level academic program. There's um, certain standards of, of teaching and, and way that kids are taught. And then my sister was an IB student at Southside for a while, um, and, and dropped out of it actually, but. Um, it's big on like the middle and high school level. It's um like extra. It's the usual plus extra. You know, mm-hmm. you accomplish these things, you get the the IB diploma, and it's it's really a big deal. It's a, it's an international standard. Right. That's awesome. Um, and so they've pulled it. The, there's an elementary school version, which is you know it's not opt in. It's not just for these chosen kids. They're doing it at this whole school. Right. Um, here in the heart of Churchill, um, or Chimborazo, which pulls from Churchill and down in Fulton as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good it's a good deal. Right. Um. There's a lot of exciting, smaller things going on at the schools up here. Um, are you familiar with Richmond Cycling Corps? A uh, little bit, yeah. They're, uh, they've started uh, this the state, maybe, you know, one of the few uh, in the nation. It's an urban cycling team at, at Armstrong. Mm-hmm. They get these kids out there, um, road bikes, mountain bikes, competing against you know, the, the Tony or private schools. And, right. and then Armstrong's getting up on the podium. Man, these, these kids are killing it. I'm super proud of those guys. That's great. Um, you know, they've got kids in middle school going out and riding riding 100 miles on a bicycle. That's amazing. That's that's some endurance, and that's some really applying yourself. These are some skills that will definitely translate later on. Um, that's cool, because that wasn't even a thing when I was a kid. No. Like, that wasn't, like, you would have rode your bike just because you were trying to go somewhere else. Right. So there was never... You know, two miles would have seemed, like, really far, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but um, and they're, they're expanding their program. They've been at Armstrong. They're going to MLK Middle School this year, and they're in the PE programs at two of the elementary schools. Huh. Getting, the, getting the kids riding bikes and doing things. Yeah, that's great. Um, they've built a mountain bike track up at Armstrong, between Armstrong and uh, Fairfield Court Elementary School. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the most exciting things for me going on right now. It just hits a bunch of things that I love. 
Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, um, there's so many weird things like, like I guess biking as well, but like lacrosse and stuff that people are playing. Like, that was like what the the rich kids played in right. the, the movies. Like that was never like an option. And, and Dunk Moreland on the wire. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Like that wasn't a thing that. But now it's like every day. Like people are like, yeah, I'm on the lacrosse team. Like what? Yeah. I'm, you know, I keep thinking. I have this dream where uh, Churchill becomes a like a soccer proving ground. You know, there's so so many kids up here, and if they just took on soccer instead of football, I think they could own the world. Right. But that's just my own little piece. What about Oakwood Cemetery? That's a huge, right. the, weird... Oh, about the cemeteries up here. I mean, we've got... Yeah. I mean, Oakwood, um, which, you know, right, one, one section's right across from, from Creighton, the other section's over, like, in Oakwood, across from what used to be the dump, um, you know, with, with its Confederate history and everything else. Um, Very strange. And then, but you, know, but you know, right across from that, we have um, the the four the four um, cemeteries at Evergreen. Yeah, uh, we're going to go to that next. Oh my gosh! I mean, the whole the whole of it there is just super beautiful and mysterious to me. Um, yeah, going into the woods and seeing the graves coming up from the from the brush. Yeah. Um, but I think even like Oakwood it, to me is a very strange because it's you, you, it's it's divine. It's almost this weird like segregation. Thing where there's like a strange Jewish section, right? There's which, the and the Potter's Field up there, and yeah, yeah. Um, and then you cross the ravine, and it's there's like this kind of modern day. There's still burials going on over there, yeah. Yeah, and there, um, it's really weird because you know you can see all these weird historic Confederate things, and then the other I don't know if it's like this in other cemeteries, but they seem to be popular to put photographs of the people on there. And there's there's um. The, the two Jewish cemeteries that are down off of um, down in Fulton that's the first place I really noticed that yeah um, you, it's, it's, I think it's a time period well no it's, well, some of the, it, was the, it was a time period for that and then it's coming back it's like more yeah. kind of the newer graves they also have the pictures which I feel like God, when I see it on an old grave I feel one way about it right when I see it on a new grave it just it kind of spooks me and I can only imagine though if I knew yeah. the person how I'd feel about that yeah no we, it, and there's a, it's a weird thing um I can't remember who I was just talking about this. You know, we do, uh, um, you know, doing like ghost and okay. grizzly story tours, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, for one thing, it's okay to tell like like a 19th century murder. Right. It's awesome. Like for if something that happened like in the last 20 years, people are like, my God, like that's like... It's a little taboo. Yeah. Like suddenly um, people are sad. I like, to, I like to dig up the stories from around here from like the 60s, 70s. Because you can find them in the newspaper archives. Sure. It's like, what happened at that address? Whatever. Right. Um, yeah, I haven't looked into the 90s. It feels too close. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but even like Oakwood, it has so many weird stories. And it's also it's a strange thing because it's, it's so, it feels so half-finished. Yeah. Like, as opposed to like Hollywood, where there's these giant monuments. And they're, they're done. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I guess everybody's in Oakwood was like the, that was like where a lot of the folks from Chimborazo Hospital were brought over there with mass burials. Um, it's a really beautiful place. I mean, by, if you haven't gone, that the, the historic side is, and the whole thing is, it's a really, it's a really nice. If if you like that kind of thing, which right. which I do, um, but the 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 East End cemeteries, like where where exactly are those? And Gosh, okay. Um, I know how to get to them. I mean, you can get to them off of Laburnum, but mm-hmm. the, it's from up here or the easiest ways. If you go down like Chimborazo Boulevard, it gets down into Oakwood. It takes that corner by Oakwood Cemetery and then the street drops down 
if you keep going, it's Richmond Road at that point, Richmond Road mm-hmm. over to Henrico. You slow down, look to your left. You'll see, you'll see some uh, gravestones off in the woods and where folks have cleared some of that out. And it really just goes up, up a hill from there. Right. Um, there's, a, there's a road off to the left there that'll get you up to the entrance, the other, like the main entrance. Um, but there's, there's the four cemeteries. I don't, I, can't, I don't know the names of all four. I mean, uh, Evergreen's one of them. And, right, uh, that's like the most famous one that has um, Maggie, Walker, Maggie Walker, John um, Mitchell Jr. His mom. Um, right. That, um, yeah, um, and then, you know, there's, these were cemeteries that were founded without uh, perpetual care as part of it. And kind of as the city and as the neighborhood fell, you know, through the 20th century, they stopped being maintained. And so by, I don't know, certainly by our time, they fall, they fall into forest. Right. And you have, you have these stones that are, some can be four, five, six feet tall. There's a, a mausoleum that keeps getting busted into um, that's really amazing with the ivy. And you, you get out in the woods, though, you'll see where the flowers come up every year where people have planted, you know, daffodils or whatever, or those spiky, spiky um, kind of plants that frond out. Um, so got, got to give a shout out now. To, there's groups. There's a group of people that are have been working to reclaim the cemetery diligently for about the past ten years. They go every weekend. Mm-hmm. They take volunteer groups out there and they just clear a plot at a time. They write the gravestones. They um, have, are clearing the paths that are part of the cemetery. And um, yeah, John Shuck is the the main guy out there. I was trying to think of his name. Yeah. And, uh, uh-huh. And I know he, he posts, whenever he goes out, I know he posts on Twitter. If anybody's on there, you should follow that And if you're interested in if you're, look, if you're looking for a, a, just something to do for a day where you, you want to be outside and know you're doing something good good for the world, go volunteer with those guys. For right. real. Just watch out for Poison Ivy. <laughs> That's a pretty good lesson for all life. Yeah. Just, watch just out for Poison, poison Ivy. Um, but um, but in, would you consider that? That's not in like what Churchill, though. Yeah, I don't it's even not, know. I think it might even... It's right on the Richmond Henrico border. Yeah. It's not Churchill, but I, I cover it um, like I cover Fulton in that it's East End, and if I don't cover it, nobody else is going to cover it. Right. You know? Um, and there's a connection between the people that lived up here and some of the people that are buried there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as much as anything. Um, and it seems like the story is the same. The story of the, the, uh, who the land belonged to and how and why things fell into decline. Sure. You know? It's not, you know, Hollywood Cemetery is one thing, East End Cemetery is, is another thing. Sure. This was allowed to happen. And at Phil Riggin, or, or at Riggin RVA, everybody should follow him, awesome writer for, I guess, I guess it's all Times Dispatch now. Yeah. Um, just thanks for my block. What the heck is that? Oh, um, started a program on CHPN um, two weeks ago. I don't even it's been that long. Where I had some pickup sticks, some trash pickup sticks left over oh, from a, yes. a Fairmont cleanup um, back in the fall. It rained that day, so we didn't get our turnout. So I had some extra pickup sticks, and um, got the idea that I could um, give them away to people if they would volunteer to clean up their block. And through September, I kind of picked a semi-arbitrary mm-hmm. date, like let's do this for seven months. Um, you sign up for your block, I'll give you the pickup stick. I had like about twenty of them. Mm-hmm. That's about the response I thought I'd get. Um, in 48 hours, I'd given out all those. It was in the hole of, of I didn't have enough pickup sticks. Um, Rick Tatnall donated 15 or 20 that he had. Um, people keep, still keep signing up. It's, it's just really gained some momentum. We've got, last time I counted, I had 75 or so people signed up to take care of 95 or so blocks plus two city parks up here. That's amazing. Um, in two weeks, we, it's, it just it goes back to that thing where people, 
want to take care of their stuff up here. They're they're involved. They're involved, and and it's it, we own we own our own neighborhood. Right. Um. So the city has been really cool about supporting this. Like I reached out, kind of in despair once I realized what I was doing. I started this without thinking it through. <laughs> um, uh, Darling Mallory at Clean City Commission was great. Um, hooked me up with 60 more pickup sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had contact from folks in other neighborhoods that might want to try to work this out. Right. Um, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, sure. I understand we got some we got some airtime on Channel 8 last night. I haven't been able to watch that yet. Oh, great. But basically, you know, I give out the pickup sticks and people have their stick and they've been sending in pictures um, of what they're doing. The bag, the buckets full of trash they're picking up. Yeah. Uh, we've got the hashtag MyBlockRVA. Um, I'm trying to get out there for Instagram or Twitter. And... Um, it seems dumb, and I mean not dumb. It's just small. Litter's a small thing that it's kind of a big thing. It's I, huge. I, I don't, you know, I don't know how much the broken windows theory is or isn't, but all I know is that it's important to me, you right. know, and it's important to me on my block that it's clean. And I, I thought there might be other people that felt the same way. Yeah. And um, I told them it's like I'm not casting any aspirations on where it came from or who threw it down or anything like that. How it got there, I'm just like I'm gonna clean it up. Right. So. Just don't be dumb. Don't throw things on the ground. It's yeah. It's it's a it's an incredible. We have a, we have a bus stop across from our house, and I don't see like intentional littering, but I think a lot of times there's newspapers flying around. I think people just right. leave them on the seat when they get on the bus. It's just that moment of um, they're in transition and don't catch what's happening, and so I'm forever walking the dog and picking up the newspapers. Sure. And they live back in Fairmont. The wind would blow the the plastic bags, man. Those little plastic bags. I, I yeah. called them the neighborhood flower for a long time. Or the um the sticky bun wrappers, man, they're right. the worst. They are. Like, what's up with that? Who's eating all those things too? I, mean, I love a good sticky bun, but but like they're always like I find those like because my house is a little set like set back and at the fence, so it turn, turns like a little whirlwind right there. It makes no sense. I don't know. Like I've often thought, out of all the trash, there's always sticky buns. I, I don't there's, know. There's there's pockets, you know. I have a friend who lives on Marshall Street. And he's like, people go through the drive through at McDonald's. By the time they get to around his house, they're done. Right. With their French fries or whatever, and it just comes out the window. It just makes no sense. Um, so everybody has their zone of what they're going to catch. Yeah. I mean, I live in the sticky bond zone. I don't know what's up with that. Um, but so, so that's a new thing. That's a new thing. I'm open to, you know, I think uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see so much concrete response to something that I put out. Um, I'm thinking that maybe we'll have it in some other neighborhoods yeah, relatively yeah. soon. I think it work. It, it could work in any of the old urban neighborhoods. Anybody on a street grid, I think it works. Right. Uh, it could work anyway. I mean, it should work everywhere. I mean, because there's trash everywhere. Like, I mean, if, if someone's not picking it up, someone should. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think somehow parts of the East End, it's just endemic. Yeah, um, maybe, I agree. Maybe, you know, I, 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 I see places in Jackson Ward. Um, I remember living on Gray Street, for sure. City Stadium, though, I lived there for a few years. That's a clean neighborhood. Right. They're doing something right up there. Well, they don't have the, um, I mean, they don't do the, what are those city guys called that come go around and pick up trash? They, they do certain parts of the city. Yeah, like they don't. The, the core downtown area, maybe maybe around VCU, or VCU might have their own people. Yeah. Um, but you can't, I can't, we'd have to have an army, which the city's not going to provide that. But there is an army because they're the no. citizens, right? That's right. And that's, that's what's amazing is getting folks involved to actually do something um, you know, it, yeah. yeah. So that's the small. I'm not sure what's next, but this is going for now. That's great. That's fantastic. Maybe we can figure out, um, put uh, Altria on the sticks and right. or something Get like that. Sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking, of, you mentioned Paul DePascali earlier. There were some signs. I'm pretty sure they were his. Right. On um, 
that hill coming down Williamsburg Road. Mm-hmm. It was like like Burmashave signs from back in the day. They used to say they said like play lotto. Um, it's bad luck when you litter. Like these three signs down there. So every time you drive down the road, you'd see that. Right. It was funny. It was a great way to address the problem. It wasn't chastising. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't going to ignore it. Um, so it was great. Yeah, yeah. And then someone took them down. Yeah, they disappeared after a while. Yeah, yeah. Know. Well, cool. We were even talking forever. Yeah, and uh, cut this up into something good. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, what the heck is that? Oh, um, but yeah, thanks for talking to me. Sure, man. I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah, that's what's up. And I love talking about Churchill. I mean, it's then and now. It's all. It's all fun. I'm glad that John enjoys talking about Churchill. I, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did as well. Uh, let me know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. History Replays today on all of those, except on Twitter, it's at History Replays. Uh, let me know what you think, and uh, also get your question read, just like uh, Dipti did, uh, which we just referred to her as Dipti, but it's uh, you should follow her uh, at D-I-P-T-I-R-V-H-A-T-T. I won't repeat it you can repeat this um check her out did you know jody watley always has something good to say um and i also want to thank uh uh, phil riggan uh who is uh at r-i-g-g-a-n-r-v-a on twitter um and also jason spellman who who actually submitted a question uh he is at j-e-l-l-m-a-n-j-c on twitter and he was also a previous guest, friend of the show. Uh, he was on uh, talking about Civil War reenactment. Go check that episode out. Uh, that was really awesome. Um, but check out the Churchill People's News as well. Uh, they're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, all that stuff as well. And uh, tell them History Replays today sent you. Thanks for listening and make it a great day.